People should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. It's about time because we're going there. Love is in the air this season. So I'm popping in this week for a fun series on dating, sex, and yes, relationships. I'm passionate about having good and healthy conversations around the subject of relationships because sometimes we as a Christian community avoid these topics or we simply get embarrassed and don't want to talk about things in a safe place. So this week on the podcast, we're going there. Due to the subject nature, some conversations might not be suitable for young ears. So grab your headphones and be forewarned. As many of you know, I am a Bible teacher and lead a church community called the Father's House OC in Orange County, California. The content from this series I taught a while back, and I believe it will help you navigate life in love. Thanks for being part of this community, friends. I just realized we're talking about friendships. We're talking about relationships. And I had an overwhelming sense that we needed to just address the elephant in the room. There's a lot of isolation going on right now. There's a lot of loneliness that we're experiencing in all facets of life. And, and I don't think there's one person in this room, in the video experience or online, that doesn't want fulfilling relationships that bring joy into their life. If you don't want that, this is probably not the community for you, okay? If you don't want that, you want to stay mean bugging, you want to stay thugging, you want to stay like, I don't need nobody, I'm I-N-D-E-P. No, if that is you, this is probably not the church for you, but... but what happens is that we long for that. We long to be known and loved and seen and accepted. But then when the rubber meets the road and things get hard, we're like, we quit. I'm out. This is deuces. Why do we quit? Because relationships are hard. Relationships are hard. Have you had a friend that has betrayed you? I have. Have you had a friend that's ghosted you and you don't know why? I have. Have you had a friend that has talked about you behind your back to other people you know like you wouldn't like it wouldn't get back to you? Yeah, I have. So I understand that many of us are coming in with some relational baggage. We're like, oh gosh, we're going to talk about friendships. Are you seriously? Now, for me, I shared a little bit last week with my complication in regards to boundaries and boundary settings because I just, I just really wanted to love people. I just was like, I'm just going to love like Jesus. I'm going to open up my arms wide and be like, oh, yes, have full access to my heart. Come into my world. I love you. I'll be down for the ride. Let's go. But I found myself in very complicated relationships, unintentionally playing a savior complex, the role of savior. There's only one savior. His name is Jesus. He went to the cross. It's not me. But in my ignorance or arrogance, I don't know, verdict's still out, either one, I would find myself saying, I'm just going to love them more and then they'll change. And then when they didn't change, then I said, okay, you know what? I'll change and then they'll love me more. And I'm just trying to fix the relationship rather than addressing the problem. What is that doing? This is reckless living. I don't want that for you. I definitely don't want that for me. What was happening? What was happening? What was happening? I was giving people access to my life without responsibility. If you are here today and you are giving people access to your heart, your life, your mind, your wallet without responsibility, that is reckless. You know what you need? a boundary. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yes. Now, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I said I've been on this journey for about seven years of really trying to understand good godly boundaries. But about 10 years ago, I had a, a friendship and a really good friendship. 
And it wasn't just a friendship for me. It was a friendship for me and my husband. Like her and her husband oh, were great friends with me and my husband. We did things together. It was amazing. Well, about 10 years ago, my life started to change. Not only was my calendar changing in a new role in a new job in a new city, uh, also different titles. I became a stepmom. I became a wife. I, I was traveling more. My life was changing. And new doors of opportunities required different responsibility for me. And what I didn't realize is she wasn't okay with it. So I was like, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to try to be all the things to her and make her happy because I didn't want to lose that relationship. I didn't want to lose that friendship. And I realized after two years of really trying at this relationship, I had this, this moment of wisdom, this moment of insight. I sat across from her at a, at a restaurant table. And no matter what I was saying, it was just shot down. It was like a brick wall. And then it hit me. I realized, and I said this out loud, I said, oh, you know what? I don't think you like me. Like, like not the things that I do. You don't like me. And she shrugged her shoulders and she pursed her lips and did one of these like, mm-mm. And we closed out the bill and I got into the car. Oh, I have a lump in my throat thinking about it. I got into the car and I just began to sob because it wasn't a rejection of my life. It wasn't a rejection of a season change or a relationship ending. It was a rejection ultimately of me. But I stand before you today having gone through betrayal, rejection, abandonment in relationships. And I'm still telling you, friendship is worth it. The right friends come with amazing benefits. In fact, the title of today's message is Friends with Benefits. Well, I know it's a little inappropriate, so I changed it for our Christian context. I said, friends, come with benefits. There you go, mom. There you go. If you were with us last week, then, then what I'm about to tell you won't be anything new. But benefits come with boundaries as well. Let me give you a real life example. This is my car key. This right here is my car key. This key will open up my windows, my trunk, my doors, and even the hood of my car. Now, this key isn't worth thousands of dollars, but my car has value to it. And imagine, I know my brother Jared. I don't know you yet. What's your name? MJ. MJ, you, you have great taste because you're here in the church today. I love that. You seem cool. You got great teeth. You love the Lord. You know what? I like you. I'm going to give you the keys to my car. Yes, MJ, thank you. Amazing, yeah. Do I know if MJ knows how to drive? Do I know if MJ has a license? I, do I know if MJ is over 16 years old? I mean, bro, you ain't got no, you ain't no wrinkles. You look high and tight. We don't know how old he is. That was stupid. And yet we give our hearts away without even thinking twice about what it will cost us. That is my concern. So I like you, MJ, but I don't like my car, honey. All right, keep on coming back to church. All right. We do this without thinking. We give our time, our heart, our energy away with people who we don't even know are responsible. So people come to us and we make these bonds and we're like, when they disappoint us, when they hurt us, or maybe they just do things that they don't know will offend us. And we say, why does this always happen to me? <gasps> Do I have a victim sign on my forehead? Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your what, church? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Last week, we said that people are entitled to love, but they're not entitled to access. 
People are entitled to love in your life, but they are not entitled to access. This week, I want to drive that a little bit deeper. I want to drive that point a little home today where people should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. People should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. Now, this is a relationship series, but this is not a relationship series on like how to date for a mate. If you want that message, it's on YouTube. I did it two years ago. You're welcome. Miseducation of love. I'm passionate about relationships. And as our church matures, I think our conversations need to mature as well. We're not having these little basic one-on-one conversations. We need to talk about how do we do relationships well? How do we keep the right things in and the wrong things out? We hear boundaries. My fear is that somebody is hearing walls. A boundary is not a wall. The danger of you building boundaries as wall is that you're keeping everyone out and you're telling yourself this, whether intentionally or unintentionally, because that happens. I'm never going to open myself up for relationship ever again. I can't trust anyone. So you bubble wrap your heart. You close yourself off. You don't let anyone in. You don't keep it real. You don't allow yourself to be raw and real and vulnerable because you think the safest way to live is alone. What's the danger in that? Well, when you're alone, it's not only that you're isolated. It's not only that you're alone. But did you know that when we try to live like one, that we are living outside of God's good original intent? Let me back this up. Last week you were with us. We were in the book of Genesis. I want you to go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. What does scripture say? Scripture says this in Genesis 1:26, let us, if you brought your Bible, circle us, make man in our, circle our, uh, image after our likeness. Do y'all catch that? Us, our, and our. What is that? That's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What's that? Trinitarian doctrine. I'm glad you want to know, Bible scholar. So if God was in community from the beginning of time, what makes us think that we can't be in community or that we shouldn't be in community? The problem with that is that it's hard in a selfish, me-centered society. Putting in the work is hard. So we say, nah, I'll take a pass. And maybe that's not you. Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you are like, I do want community. I do want relationship. I do want friendship, but I don't even know where to begin. Maybe you're looking for a friend, but you don't know how to be vulnerable. And so you read as cold and unavailable. Maybe, maybe you're looking for a friend, but you've been hurt before and you don't know how to trust nobody. And so you build up what you call boundaries, but those boundaries are just walls. Or maybe you want to find a friend, but you're not willing to be a friend. You want someone to knock on your door and ask you out and hang out and be interested in you without there being a level of reciprocity. Why is this important? Ecclesiastes, don't turn this on the screen. Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9, says this. Two people are better off than how many? Three dog night. Some of y'all, you don't even know who three dog night is. Three dog night, one is the loneliest number. What? See, I lost y'all. You don't even know. <laughs> Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Friends come with benefits. There, proved it. Look at verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. See, we read this verse at weddings. This isn't a marriage verse. This is a friendship verse. This is a community verse. 
We are designed to be in community. It's what God wants for us. So why are friendships so hard? I put thought into this in preparing. I really honed down. I really tried to study. What, why are friendships so hard? Friendships are hard, number one, is because we, we aren't correctly understanding the definition of friend. And number two, we don't know our boundaries with these friends. We aren't correctly understanding and defining the word friend. And we don't know the boundaries we have with our friends. So why is this complicated? Because in our Western culture, we use this word friend loosely. Because it's a very simple definition. The definition of friend is someone you know and you like. That's friend. It's kind of like the English word love. You can say, I love McDonald's, I love my dog, and I love my mom. Well, which one do you like more? We have to intuitively know the person and realize you clearly love your mom more than you love your dog. At least I hope so, right? (laughs) It's the same thing with friend. And so what we need to do is we have to get nuanced in this. And because we can meet someone at work, you can meet someone at church, and then they're your friend. How do you know your friend? I know you. I like you. That's a friend. The problem isn't the definition of the word. It's the classification of the word. That's where we're going today. Defining the word is easy. Classifying our friends, that's where it gets a little bit difficult. Remember, people should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. Friends, I'm interrupting this podcast because if you know me, I love a good smelling house. Not only do I love a good smelling house, I love when things also help the environment. They're on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up beautiful, high-quality fragrance. The candle industry has major problems. Almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year, and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years. Yes, you heard me right. 1 million. Nose has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again and again so you don't have to become part of the problem. It's so easy to use, friends. The candles are made with fragrance wax beads. All you have to do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar, fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then all you have to do is do the exact same thing over again. Yes, I've been loving burning the Santal and Atlas cedar scents. They're some of my favorites. It's calming and woodsy and luxurious. I'm obsessed. I love it. There's a bunch of other fragrances, and I'm sure that you will find one that fits your fancy. You can build your custom starter kit right now. Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy Notes starter kit using the code going there. Yep, just use the code going there when placing your order. That's going there at notescandle.com backslash going there. For us to have good boundaries and for us to protect our heart, I want us to understand how to correctly identify those boundary lines within our friendship. So I put a visual on the screen. This is what I want us to hold on to as we start thinking about friendships and boundaries. On the screen behind me, uh, I wrote about this in my book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck, because I'm passionate about relationships and doing relationships well, specifically within the realm of community. So at top, we have our casual friend. For those note takers in this place, the casual friends are a result of my circumstances. A casual friend are a result of your circumstances. It's the largest box, it's the one at the top because a casual friend is someone from work. Casual friend is someone, maybe even from church, you meet them, you see them, you sit next to them every Sunday. That's a casual friend, you know them and you like them. You have very limited influence on each other's lives because you don't really hang out all the time a casual friend. That's important. That's valuable to your life. But don't get it twisted. 
because you're spending such a low amount of time together, you're gonna have limited influence on them and they're gonna have limited influence on you, a casual friend. Now, this is just a freezy and a funsy. If you have a casual friend, don't introduce them as like, this is my casual friend, Jonathan, all right? That boundary is for you. The boundary isn't for them. You'll be perceived as rude. Don't say that, okay? And then we're gonna go down and hone down a little bit more to a close friend. What is a close friend? A close friend are a result of my choices. I'm deciding who this person is. So it's less, it's smaller, and more intentional. I'm hanging out with this person. I'm looking at their calendar and my calendar and trying to get some dates to hang. We could have some nominal conversation because they're a close friend. I could trust them. See, I could be open with all. I could be transparent with a few, but I am gonna be vulnerable with even less. See, in a close friends category, you're not gonna have as many as your casual friends, but you can have those real conversations. And lastly, this is the smallest of them is your core. Realistically and scientifically speaking, you can only have roughly three to five people in this place, but your core friends are chosen with wisdom and knowledge. Your core friends are chosen with wisdom and knowledge. Because you spend so much time together, they're gonna have a high level of influence on your life and you're gonna have a high level of influence on their life. You choose them, you trust them, you influence them and they influence you. I think this is why Ecclesiastes, Solomon, one of the wisest men in the known world and definitely within the Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. I believe that this core should be limited and that's wisdom. Now, the reason why we drew this like this is because I wanted to demonstrate that they're dashed lines. If you're a good driver, you know that a dashed line means you can come in and out of a lane. If it's a block lane, California drivers, you can't cross, all right? So I put dashed lines because I want us to do an assessment. There's gonna be people that maybe in one moment of your life, they were a casual friend but they've proven themselves, they showed up for you. They went to a loved one's funeral. They brought you a meal when you were sick in the hospital. They texted you just to be like, hey, I haven't seen you for a minute. How are you doing? Are you, are you well? You can move in and out of different classifications of friends. The danger, the danger in thinking someone is a close friend when they're actually a casual friend is that you're giving them access to your life without responsibility. Lisa Turkers in her book, Good Boundaries and Goodbye says, you're giving someone level 10 access and level three responsibility. They have the key to your car, but you don't even know if they know how to drive it. So let's make this practical. If you share with a core friend some information, um, but they're actually a casual friend, don't be surprised if you are left feeling vulnerable and exposed rather than covered and protected. That's a good indication, that's a good indication. If you leave feeling a certain way, ask yourself why. If you give level 10 access to a close friend, but they are giving you level five responsibility, you will feel taken advantage of because you're showing up with your time, you're showing up with your energy, you're calling and you're investing and they're not doing it back. They might not be a core friend. If you share level 10 private trauma, with a coworker, a casual friend at the water cooler. Don't be surprised when they were like, I just came on my lunch break, bro. I, I, 
don't be, don't be surprised when they think that you've got verbal diarrhea, you can't control your mouth, right? We can be authentic with everyone, transparent with some, and vulnerable with few. Now, at this point in the message, I'm gonna pause because there might be someone here in the room that's like, but I love everyone. I don't do lines, Jesus, I don't do lines, I do circles. Jesus loved everyone. I love everyone. No, I agree with you, I'm not disagreeing. Jesus did love everyone, but he didn't kick it with everyone. Back that up, Jesus loved everyone. He fed the 5,000, he trained the 120, he discipled the 12, haha, but he mentored the three, okay? So let's do that again. Jesus loved everyone, he fed the 5,000, he trained the 120, he discipled the 12, and he mentored the three. Bible scholars make me proud. Somebody make me proud. Someone make me proud. Five extra hundred, 500 extra Christian points in heaven if you know who were Jesus's core. Who were his three? Peter, James, and John. That's right. That's right. Yes. Peter, James, and John were his crew, his clique, his homies, or rise or die because it was only Peter, James, and John that were with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was only Peter, James, and John that were with him at the Mount of Transfiguration. It was only Peter, James, and John that saw Jesus heal mother, Peter's mother-in-law, right? Was Jesus playing favorites? Absolutely he was. He absolutely was. He was spending. See, this is why we need boundaries, fam. This is why we need some boundaries. He was spending the maximum amount of time with those that would bear the maximum responsibility. Jesus is spending the maximum amount of time with those that were going to bear maximum responsibility. In the book of Galatians, Paul, the author of Galatians, he says that Peter, James, and John were the pillars of the early church. So obviously, Jesus' investment was right. Jesus' investment was wise. He invested maximum amount of time with those that would carry maximum responsibility. Let's talk about that. Peter, James, and John, they were his friends that were with him in his darkest moment. Before he is about to get arrested and then hung on a cross on Calvary, it was his friends, Peter, James, and John, that were there to be with him. Friends come with benefits. Jesus had the highest impact on the people that he spent most time with. And we see that because Peter, James, and John went on to be amazing leaders within the church. Friends come with benefits. So I want us as a church, I started last week and I said, we're going to have to put in the work. We don't like to work, but if you want to change, you got to do the work. So this is your homework for this week. I'm going to ask you to make a list. Okay, I want you to make a list. I want you to write down who are my casual friends and write down a list. You could have 10, you can have 20. Some of y'all are real popular. You could have 50 people. You got casual, write all of their names down. And then I want you to write down who are your closest friends. There should be less names in there. And then I want you to think about who are my core friends. And then, should they be there? Okay? What happens is that we have these emotional investments and these emotional connections with somebody that we met in junior high. They were your dog in junior high school. Like, you did everything together. Then you went to high school and you played sports together. You stayed in contact via MySpace, if you're that old, or Facebook, or if you're real young, TikTok, uh, Snapchat. You know, you, we cool, we cool. But what happens is that you evolved and you changed, you matured, but you're still treating your junior high friend that had lots of memories in your core group, but they're not bringing 
core responsibility. They don't know about your trauma right now. They don't know about your pain today. They don't know about your bankruptcy today. They don't know about your sickness, but you're still viewing them as a core friend. A lot of our stress in our life will be eliminated and redirected if we have an understanding of who are our friends. And then after you've done this assignment, this is the challenge, this is the invite. Invest and become, invest and become, invest and become. If you wanna have a good friend, be a good friend. Because friends come with benefits. Are you bringing benefits to your friendships? Look at Proverbs 18.24. Proverbs 18.24, it says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So Solomon, one of the wisest men in the world, definitely the Bible, mentioned him multiple times in our teaching today. He wants you to know that your, your friend isn't the person that you just met at your yoga class this week. Your friend isn't the person that you really had a great conversation with at coffee. Your, 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 your friend that's closer than a brother, like Solomon's talking about, they're probably not even in your community group yet. All of those people could become a core friend, but take your time. See, when we talk about friend from a biblical concept, so a defining a friend is someone you know, someone you like, that's a friend. But the biblical concept of friend is something different. Solomon listed as something different. Did you all catch that? From a biblical perspective, God wants us to have a friend feel like family. You, you might not be my blood, but you know my burdens. You know my hurt and you're protecting my heart. That's, that's a brother, that's a sister, someone who is gonna protect you. I, selfishly, I hope you find that in the community here at church. I really do. So I want us to do a quick friend check. Do you embody the attributes of a good friend? Do you love well? Are you smart? Are you invested? Do you care? Now you can't be all things to all people, but you can be kind. If there is someone that's like your vibe that you wanna be your tribe, make the investment and see if it's reciprocated. Finding and making friends isn't always easy. I know that, I know that. But if you are afraid to put yourself out there, your life is gonna be incredibly isolated and alone. And what the enemy wants to do is put us in isolation so the only voice we hear is our negative self-talk. What about you have those friends that you know that you, you could be honest with them, but they'll speak truth of God's word over your life? Do you have those people? Do they have a high level of impact on your life? This is why your core is wildly important. Your core is super important because if your core, I'm gonna be honest, if your core doesn't know the Lord, if you are a walking believer, a follower of Jesus, and your core doesn't know the Lord, they will not show up for you in the way that you need them to show up. They will not help you. They will not make your walk with Jesus easier. So thank you, Solomon, for telling us what a friend is. A friend loves more than a brother. But I also want us to give us some practical things to hold on to to make sure that we're clear on what friendship is not. What friendship is not? Friendship is not to make you whole and complete. If you're feeling discontent, disappointed in relationships because you think that your friends are supposed to make you happy, it's not their responsibility. That's a lot of pressure on people that they're not supposed to carry. What friendship is not? Friendship is not meant to be codependent. Like if you're okay, I'm okay. That's not friendship, that's toxicity. That's a dangerous recipe for disaster right there. That is not friendship. Friendship is not codependency. Friendship is not, you're here to make me happy and whole. No, you know what friendship is also, friendship won't do is, friendship won't cure loneliness. Wait, what do you mean? How do you mean? 
Well, if I'm lonely, I'll go hang out with a friend. How many of us, if we're honest, have been in a room full of people much like this and still felt lonely? See, friendship doesn't cure loneliness. Friendship isn't a panacea for depression. No, friendship is not a, a magic pill that takes away our, our, our sadness and depression. And if we're looking at someone else to be our joy and our hope and our healing, we're looking in the wrong direction. But I'm here today to let you know that if you feel alone or betrayed or isolated, you aren't alone. You are not alone. That there is, that there is one who knows your pain and could heal it. That there is a friend who was abandoned by his friends in the saddest and most traumatic of moments of his life who knows abandonment. That there is a friend, one who is loved by the masses on one day and then accused by the same masses the very next day. There is one who said the words out of John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Not only did he say it, he did it. That good friend is Jesus. Thanks for listening to this series. And I hope you share it online with your friends who might need these words. Grateful you've listened and I can't wait for our next episode.